comes from um, John chapter 5, verse 1 to 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate and pool an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades, and these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps in down before me, steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. What do you do when your opening illustration and closing prayer already rolled out in the confession of sin? You say, the Holy Spirit is working. That's what you do. And you keep going with it. I was, I was blown away. I'm like, okay, did somebody steal my manuscript? What happened here? Amazing. Uh, the Ed Stetzer quote actually comes from a book written by Alan Deutschman called Change or Die. And he asks this question, what if you were given that choice, change or die? If you didn't, your time would end soon, a lot sooner than it had to. Could you change when change matters most? Well, the author says, if you say, yes, I could change, he says, you're lying to yourself. That in fact, 90% of people choose die over change because change is so hard. This is what the author found as a cardiovascular surgeon, that when people had to make these kinds of radical changes, they can't, that 90% choose die. Well, the scriptures say something even tougher. The scriptures say, if you want to change, you have to die. If you want to change, you have to die. Let's see it in this story in John chapter 5 today. So the story takes place at this healing pool at Bethesda. Bethesda means the house of pouring or house of mercy. A very appropriate title for this, uh, for this place. Now, if you're looking in your Bible, you might have noticed a footnote you might have noticed a, a verse number missing, and you might have thought, where did verse 4 go? My, my Bible just skipped from verse 3 to verse 5. Well, verse 4 uh, was in earlier um, Bible translations, and it was found that the earliest manuscripts that they could find did not have verse 4, and so it's omitted and, and I want to actually share what it is. It says, For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. 
Whoever stepped in first after stirring the water was healed of whatever disease he had. So that verse is not in the earliest original manuscripts. However, something like it is found actually in the text. It's implied in verse 7. Let's take a look real quick at, uh, at verse 7. Do we have verse 7? You know what? I'm going to, uh, let's see. Keep going. There we go. Uh, yes, there is verse 7. Okay, so uh, the, uh, the man says, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. So you get uh, kind of that, that hint towards that, that there was at least this belief, okay, this, this healing pool, first one in when the water stirs, gets healed. So that's, that's the thought. Who comes to the pool? It's invalids. Blind people, lame, paralyzed. They come to the pool to try to be the first one in to get healed. Now, one such man, as we have in our story, uh, most likely of the lame or uh, paralyzed category, he is there. We're not even given his name, but we're told how long he has been an invalid, 38 years. That is a long time. In fact, that's longer than a lot of people live at this time in history. You may be familiar with Joni Erickson Tata. Uh, she is a woman who became a quadriplegic in a diving accident, and she was last year reflecting on being a quadriplegic for 55 years. Reflecting on 55 years of paralysis, she says, it's the noble cause of Christ to which I've dedicated myself for decades. And I can't think of anything that gives me more joy. Yet as I reach the milestone of 55 years of quadriplegia, not to mention two bouts of cancer, severe breathing issues, COVID-19, and chronic pain, I hold tightly. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's amazing. That's 55 years of being a quadriplegic. Well, the man in our story, again, he has been an invalid for 38 years. He's been at this pool waiting a long time, and Jesus sees this man. And he sees him lying there, and he says, verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? What do you think of that question? Well, Jesus knows the situation. Jesus, who is the great physician, Jesus, who is the master healer, asked the question, do you want to be healed? Does it sound like a dumb question? Does it sound condescending to you? What do you think is behind that question? 
Maybe Jesus is asking, do you know what is necessary for true healing, for lasting healing? Do you want that? The invalid might be thinking all these years, you know, I can finally be happy if I could just walk. I could finally be content if I could just walk. I know a lot of people who can walk that aren't happy. It's easy to sit on this side and be like, oh man, you think that's going to make you happy? It will, but it's not going to last. But how might you fill in that blank? I could finally be happy I could finally be content if, if what? If I had enough money, maybe that's it for you. If I just had pleasure, if I could have these experiences, if I could go these places and eat these things, and then I would be happy. Maybe it's success. You know what? If I could rise to the top, if I could be at the top of the board in my firm, in my field, then maybe it's influence. If, if I could have an influence on other people, maybe it's your spouse. Oh, if I could just make them happy, if they weren't disappointed in me, if they just loved me more, oh, then I would be happy. Maybe it'd be just the idea of another person. If, if Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright came along, then I could finally be content. Maybe it's control. Oh, if I could have control over my circumstances, over my children, then I could be content. Have I driven down your street yet? Well, maybe Jesus is asking you the same question today. Do you want to be healed? Well, let's look at how the invalid responds. Verse 7, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going in, another steps down before me. So the invalid basically says this, the problem is my lack of healing is I need to be the first in the pool and there's nobody to carry me. So every time the water stirs up, somebody else jumps in before me. I want healing, but I don't have access. So the problem to my lack of healing is an outside problem. It's out there. There's nothing I can do to be healed. I can't heal myself. I've tried. I come to the pool every day. I've done everything in my power, and I can't. I'm not healed. Notice that he doesn't even answer the question directly, does he? Do you want to be healed? He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say, yes, can you help me? Can you heal me? He just 
gives excuse of why he's not healed. Well, what does Jesus do? Verses 8 and 9. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. Jesus doesn't help him into the water, because that water is not the true source of healing. Jesus is. Instead, he just heals him. He commands him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once, it happens. He was healed. After 38 years, he was healed. He takes up his bed, and he walks away. Well, I want to look at an encounter that happens a few verses down, verse 14. Let's take a look at that. Let's see if we have that one. It's kind of up there. All right. Basically, verse 14, uh, Jesus sees him. It's been a little bit of time. We don't know exactly how much time. And he says, look, you're healed. It has stayed with you, right? You're still walking, moving about. Uh, Then he commands him. He says, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Ouch. So this man, after Jesus heals him, he doesn't attribute it to Jesus. He doesn't even ask Jesus' name. He just goes on his merry way And Jesus sees him at this later time and says, ah, you're well. You're healed. Good news. Now, sin no more that nothing worse may happen. Does that sound like good news? That doesn't even sound like good advice, does it? Because it's impossible. And so if you take those words to heart, What will it do? It will paralyze you once again. The paralyzed man becomes paralyzed because what is asked of him is impossible. And it should bring him to this place once again of, I need healing. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. Maybe Jesus is telling him, if you've trusted in me to walk again, maybe you'll trust in me to forgive your sins, which is actually your greater need. Now, amongst us, what do you suppose is the greatest ailment in this room? Is it paralysis? Is it cancer? Is it chronic pain? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it emotional trauma? Now, what do you think is the worst thing that could happen to you? Again, Jesus said, 
sin no more so that nothing worse may happen to you. Well, the thing far worse than being paralyzed is God's eternal judgment. And the thing that leads us there is our sin. There's a story in the book of Mark in the second chapter that's very similar to this story. It's the story of another paralyzed man. Uh, This man has some friends that are able to bring him not to the healing pool, but to where Jesus is speaking. They're able to bring him to the healing Savior. And they get to the house where where Jesus is preaching, and they can't get in because it's so crowded. And so what do they do? They go to the roof, right? Okay, so they go up to the roof, and they dig a hole in the roof, and they lower their paralyzed friend down right in front of Jesus. And here he is, held up by ropes, dangling there before Jesus. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, your sins are forgiven. Amazing, right? He doesn't say, you're healed. He says, your sins are forgiven. And then later, he says the same thing to him. He says, get up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he explains this miracle that the true healing of forgiving the sins is verified by Jesus' power to say, get up and walk, pick up your bed, and go home. The greatest ailment among us is sin. And so the greatest experience of healing we can ever have is the forgiveness of sin. And to experience the forgiveness of Jesus, which is the ultimate healing of Jesus, we must repent. We must acknowledge our sin and turn from it and turn to Jesus. Another way that the Scriptures talk about turning from sin is dying to sin. And in dying to sin, that is when we experience that true joy, that true healing, that true peace, that true happiness. To change, you have to die. Die to sin. And so, church, I ask you this morning, where do you want healing? Where do you want to be healed? Is it with addiction? Addiction to substance? Addiction to food? Addiction to sex? Addiction to Netflix? To video games? If you want healing, you must die to the lie that that addiction will save you, that that addiction will make you happy, content. Do you want healing 
in your marriage. The first step is you must die to the lie that your marriage can save you, that your marriage can be the source of your ultimate satisfaction and happiness. Do you want healing in your body? You must die to the lie that your physical health will save you, that it will make you happy, satisfied, content. Do you want healing from your guilt and shame? If so, you must experience the forgiveness of Jesus. There's an article that I saw this last week by a guy named Chad Bird, and the article is called The Myth of Forgiving Yourself. He says this, I know that to forgive yourself is not only impossible, it is foolish, dangerous, and futile. It is the vain attempt of a soul plagued by guilt to seek relief in the very last place he should be looking, in himself. Telling a friend, forgive yourself, is the equivalent of telling a dying person, heal yourself. Absolution, like medicine, comes from outside of you, from the hand of a healer. Friends, Jesus, the great physician, the master healer, again, asks us today, do you want to be healed. True healing, forgiveness, can only be found in Him. True and lasting life, true and lasting joy, true and lasting peace can be found in Him alone. And that is our good news. You see, putting our faith in those other saviors of power, of approval, of comfort, of control, they lead us down a path of sacrificing to them and moving us away from God. And so, the way to die to those things is to turn to Christ who died for us. We are united to Him by faith in His life, by faith in His death, by faith in His resurrection. This is what Romans 6 tells us, that we, by faith, are united to Christ, to His death who died for our sin. By faith, we are united to Christ's resurrection which means we are freed from the power of sin and the guilt of sin, and that is the healing that Jesus offers. So that death to sin is a daily death, a daily struggle, but it's one that we can't do on our own. It must be done in the power of Jesus. We cannot heal ourselves. We must depend on Christ to heal us. And Jesus promises this exact thing. In John eleven twenty five, 25, He says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So, church, do you want to be healed? If you want to change, you have to die. And so, turn to Jesus. Place your faith, place your trust, place your hope in Him. Die to sin by His power, and you will be healed. You will be changed. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation, there is a new creation. He is a new creation. I am a new creation. You are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So that means if we are in Christ, our minds are being renewed. Our hearts are being renewed. Our relationships are being renewed. Our church is being renewed. Our mission, our purpose is being renewed. We are being healed in Christ. We are like paralyzed individuals to whom Jesus says, get up and walk. And so, the way, let us walk together. Let us walk in faith in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for the comfort of your word and for the challenge of your word. Lord, you ask this question, do we want to be healed? And Lord, I pray that you would give us strength to say yes, to say let me die to the things of this world so that I can be changed, that I can be healed in your power, Jesus. May these things happen. I cannot do it on my own. Trying to, my, to heal myself is like being paralyzed, just waiting. But Jesus, thank you that you have come as the great physician, as the master healer, that you give lasting healing in the forgiveness of our sins, that you give transforming power to change our lives, to bring us to to die to the lies of this world and its promises. And so, Lord Jesus, help us trust in you, to trust in your promises, to trust in your presence in our lives that we may walk with you. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.